0: Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Ange, that's Char on the ones and twos. Hello. Don't forget to head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. Follow us on all of our socials. There you can find over 370 episodes. What the hell, Shar? We're inching up on 400. Does that mean we're hard workers or we're just old? That we've both. been around for <laughs> both is our part. Our podcast is old enough to be in kindergarten at this point. Uh, <laughs> but on to other matters. Don't forget, we have an exciting event coming up on Sunday, September eighth. Bitch Talk Podcast presents really funny comedians who happen to be women at Cobb's Comedy Club in in North Beach, off of Columbus Ave. It's a huge venue. We can fit all of all five of our listeners, plus <laughs> others. Plus others.
1: <laughs> We're counting on you, plus others. Yeah,
0: it's going to be really exciting. I mean, the, the lineup is stacked. We're going to have Sandy Steck, Irene Too, Natasha Muse, hosted by Chelsea Bierce, plus special guests. And your bitches, your bitches will be in attendance. So come, show your face.
1: Yes, please, please, please. And and um, if you want uh, to get more information or you want a ticket link, it's, uh, it's posted in our show notes. It's on our social media. And if you want free tickets, pay attention to us on social media because we're going to be giving them away online. And I can't wait to see everybody there.
0: And... Also, just pay attention to us. You know, we know that you're out there. We see <laughs> the numbers. People are listening, but respond. Say a little something. Say hello. Give us a rating. Give us five stars. Yeah, rate us. What do you think of us? Comment Let us. us. Know.
1: <laughs> comment, comment nice things <laughs> <names. laughs> to all of us. Yeah, it's tough times, guys. We could all use some kind words every now and then, right?
0: I mean, come on. Oh, man. But this is... Today's going to be a fun one. It is because we're we're bringing you in another bitch talk replay and this time is with Bo Burnham who wrote and directed the film Eighth Grade and I I have to admit this is probably we do a lot of interviews, and we watch a lot of movies, uh, but this is probably one of the ones, especially from last year, that I tell people to watch all the time. It's always on the plane when I, I, I've had it. Really? Know, yeah, I, I, I've been on a few flights in, in the past year, and 8th grade is always showing, and I'm just like, I tell everybody to watch this film.
1: I love this movie, and I don't think I've found it streaming yet, but you're saying it's always on the plane. So. Yeah,
0: I've seen it on a few different flights. And, and the thing about this movie is... It's so cross-generational. Everybody's been in eighth grade. Everybody's been that awkward kid. But Bo Burnham just really manages to connect with that, the female (laughs) experience in a way that um, is really special.
1: Yeah, this is a... Yeah, when you watch this movie, you definitely are like, I totally relate.
0: Mm -hmm. But he adds that whole... uh, younger generation twist of our awkwardness, but in the age of social media, like in the thick of it. So.
1: Oh, yeah. And this week is actually, um, you know, today we've got Bo Burnham. Next, uh, on Friday, our next episode is going to be something that we, uh, interview we haven't released yet, which is um, Liza Mandeloup from... Um, Jawline. Jawline, yeah. which I think, I, think I, I actually think I scheduled this together for that purpose of it's that awkward...
0: Look at you, shark. Kid phase. It's like you've done this before. Maybe. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> worth any worth every penny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um I I I this one is a really fun one. We Aaron couldn't make it to this, but we are joined by host of Radio Rehab, Dana, who's a longtime friend of the show. She's awkward,
1: worked, also an awkward teenager in her forties. Yeah, so. still an awkward teenager. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, we've done a few episodes together. So we call them bitch rehabs. And um, I think we both just fell in love with Bo Burnham. He is so great. He's a he's like eight feet tall, but just. Um, so in tune with, I, I have to admit, I didn't know who he was prior to this interview, but uh, upon doing because I'm old, right? And he, <laughs> he came up as a YouTube star. Um so I looked him up, and I was like, okay, "Okay." And then I
1: started seeing him in things. You know how? It's and then l- he's
0: everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. It's one
1: of those things, like when you see something, and then you're like, "Oh, I don't know anything about that." And then all of a sudden, it's everywhere you look. Yeah, and he
0: had, and had a really great Netflix special. And he was on it was a handful
1: of movies that I hadn't. That I was just like, well, "I was like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> I've seen him, and like, you know, like I didn't know that he was as big as he was." Right. At the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, because we're old.
1: Yeah, because we are old. Yeah. We're we're not in tune with the times. With
0: the YouTube stars. We're
1: still looking forward to things like the BH90210.
0: Yes. Thank you for bringing it up. I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) Uh, On the topic of eighth grade. This is actually a perfect time
1: (laughs) to be recording this. We're recording this intro the day after the For, premiere of, the, of Ferris- the
0: first episode of Beverly Hills zero reboot I don't
1: think I looked forward to anything <laughs> more I was such a dork
0: You know I'm, I'm glad looking forward Aaron's to this not thing. here cuz she doesn't get it she doesn't Which get is sad cuz love-
1: you're younger you're a few years younger than <laughs> us but I connect with you on this I guess I connect with you on this the way I connect with her on... New Kids on the Block. New Kids on the Block. Yeah. So I don't know what that makes me. <laughs> Old.
0: I think, no, you just cross barriers regardless. <laughs> age is nothing but a number. No, the thing is, like, yeah, uh, it was definitely middle school. My my love for 90210 was in I, the heart of that I was age. watching
1: that and I just started thinking <laughs> about the very first episode of 90210. 90210- of Beverly Hills 90210 that I saw in 1990 I was in the eighth grade and I remember watching it and then I was like oh this is a really good this is (laughs) a really good show and I had to go to bed and so I had to record it on my VHS tape so I could record the rest of the episode so that I could see it it was um, the one where uh, Brandon uh, drove drunk and crashed his car oh yeah that was the very first episode I ever saw. I know it
0: well, and um,
1: <laughs> and then I just started thinking about like that was on all through the nineties. I, mm-hmm. I I did some homework and it debuted in October of nineteen ninety, and the last episode aired in May or June of nineteen
0: ninety nine. So integral years.
1: Like the <laughs> if if you want nineties nostalgia, this is it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? I. Well, first I have to say that I was always a Dylan girl. Were you Dylan or Brandon? Yes, I was Dylan. Okay, good. I'm Dylan. glad we can. And agree I, because was, I was going to. Sh- I'm going to walk out. I and was very Brandon. I was very much
1: um, always Dylan and Brenda.
0: Mm, oh, forever of and Fuck Kelly and
1: Kelly and Brandon. I never liked Dylan and Kelly together.
0: The drama was very good, right? The whole like. Triangle drama. Yes, that was exciting, but fuck Kelly, and she was forgiven way too easily, in my opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> your best friend takes your man, and you're like, well, okay, moving on. No.
1: Yeah, it took time, but yes, I understand what you're saying.
0: Anyway, yes, um, Dylan, all the way. So obviously, with this first episode, you're kind of waiting for them to touch on, mm-hmm. you know, the past, his passing, or whatever, and and that was sad. But one thing that. One thing that's interesting is they all look very good still. Yes, you know, I mean, uh, Gabrielle Carteris is like eighty, but she was always old.
1: Right. Even I, guess, in- I didn't really. I remember when I, I remember back in the nineties, I was like, oh, she's supposed she's the oldest, and she has
0: crow's feet. She's supposed to be a <laughs> sophomore in high school. Yeah, and
1: and then I was, <laughs> and then again, I went back to you know, I don't think Google wasn't that prominent back then, so I can find out all this information. Ask Jeeves. I think it was Jeeves back then. <laughs> um. She was twenty nine.
0: Oh my God!
1: In nineteen ninety, when they made <laughs> when she was supposed to be a seventeen year old, That's insane. They said that the only teenagers on the show of the eight were David, David, Tori, Tori Smelling, um, Jenny Garth, and Shannon Doherty was nineteen.
0: Oh wow, that's actually more than I expected. Yeah. And then so
1: basically all the guys and well, Gabriel Carteris were in their 20s. Well, and
0: that's the problem with Dylan, like obviously he was always my dude, but he started having receding hairline like 2 years in and then I was like, all right. Well, and then that's when David got really hot. So then it switched to David. But it switched. Yeah, yeah. But
1: um we talked about this a few basic bitches ago about how we didn't know what the how they were going to re- do this reboot. We kind of had an idea.
0: To be and, honest, I figured it would suck, but I was going to watch it either way. Right. I just I was like it's going to be horrible, but I have to watch it. But
1: for some reason, you know what I I enjoyed it for the fact that they poked fun at themselves.
0: No, I I liked it actually. Yeah. In, in the beginning, I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know, but Well, the first I scene was it. like
1: super cheesy. So you exactly. were just, like that first scene, I was just like, "Oh god, is this what it's going to yeah. be? This is going to be this is going to be bad." Yeah. But they I think they did that because I think that's what what everybody was expecting. Right.
0: Everybody, yeah, exactly. And then
1: they rolled into it and it is and and if you're a nine zero two one zero fan, you're gonna love it. Yes, because it hits, it it touches all the spots, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. There's you know like, and then they did they referenced um Luke Perry three times in it. Wow,
0: you kept count, nice.
1: Yeah, it was in, it, it was in the it's, it was in all the literature that you know and in, in, in all, all
0: the literature. Well, when I do <laughs> so every day. I
1: have to keep what up literature every day. I have to keep up on the times on what's going on in the world. Oh, really,
0: Char? And okay. like
1: in pop culture
0: and I stuff know, like that. I was going to say, as soon as Erin and I start talking about something political, Char turns off her mic. Oh yeah, because <laughs> <that, laughs> those aren't the things I keep up. On. That's not the literature you partake in. Yeah,
1: no, like, but I have like case. In point, I have uh, stuff that goes into my inbox about what's happening to do like. Morning show reports and stuff like that, yeah. so celebrity tr- you know celebrity trash celebrity gossip, all that kind of stuff, and so the stuff that I was saying is the the headlines they were talking about nine o two and o and how it was received and how it like what it was like, and they mentioned it was like, oh, they referenced Luke Perry three times
0: <sighs> yeah, well, I think that the thing about nine o two and o was there were no shows like that that showed. I don't know. I think it was the perfect transition from Saved by the Bell. I don't know if you were a Saved by the Bell oh, fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, it, the first th- Saved by the Bell started as Good Morning, Miss Bliss or whatever. Right. Like, let's focus on the teacher. And then they realized nobody gives a shit about the teacher. And it was focus supposed to be like, kids. Indiana
1: or something like that. Yeah, as yeah. A, as opposed to Bayside.
0: Yeah, so then they come back. They make it focused on, uh, th- on the kids. And they put, it, put them in Malibu, right? So, um, and that's when it got popular. And then that kind of transitioned into 90210, with older kids and a little more racy Mm -hmm. and um, yeah I don't know there were no shows like that and
1: uh... throughout all of high school that was like that was a show that I watched I don't Mm -hmm. like if you're going to talk to me about what I watched in high school religiously that was it. I don't think I watched anything else. I, oh, I think I taped a soap opera. I taped all my children.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still have uh, some 90210 episodes recorded on the DVR. And it's just nice, you know, when you when you don't really want to think. You just want to watch something well, comforting. Well, you and
1: I have... I think you and I are on the same level with that in the sense that um, we watch I Love Lucy reruns. Oh, yeah. And I watch
0: those, and I could, I could watch 90210, like... Only certain episodes in certain years, though, because uh, at some point, Brandon's body turns into a pear shape, and at, at that point, I stopped watching. <laughs> Call him pear, Pear-shaped Brandon.
1: Um, it's funny you mention it, because when I go through, because it streams on Hulu and CBS All Access and stuff, and every once in a while, when I'm like, like what you said, it's like, I need something to, like, I need white noise.
0: Right. Like when yeah, I'm like editing. I'll be worki- exactly. I'll be working on my laptop and I just need something on the background.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and so I'll watch stuff like that and I'll go to early episodes, Dylan and Brenda. Yes. And then when it gets to the summer that they go to Paris and Kelly starts doing, starts moving in on, on Dylan, then I get mad. So I kind of skip that. <laughs> so I'm- I kind of skip their senior year.
0: Oh, I like that. I like the drama, but then I don't like when they're officially together because then it's just like.
1: And then yeah, and then um, when they're in college, it's you know in college. Yeah, but it goes downhill from there for sure. A little bit, mm-hmm. but I've seen every episode at least a few times.
0: What's your favorite?
1: The prom episode.
0: <laughs> your smile.
1: The prom episode because it's you, you know got what because light it, in your eyes. It's my That's most so funny. it's. I remember that the most because I was in I was in the 8th grade and I remember going to school. I was at Holy Spirit. I was in Catholic school and I remember going to going to school and that was when Dylan and Brenda did the nasty. Oh yeah. And then I went to school and then all the girls were like, "Oh my god! Dylan <laughs> and Brenda, can you believe it?" In our little 8th grade Catholic school class of 30 people. <laughs> wow. I guess that's why it's like it I just remember that episode from like if you remember all the episodes of when you watched them
0: that is freaking hilarious nice
1: I know them all though I could probably I used to they you know when I, on one of my morning shows we used to do a uh, stump the stump the show like we, it was called Super Game Thursday and people would call in with trying to stump us with trivia to win prizes mm-hmm. and they would always try to ask me 902 no questions and I'd always get them right
0: Oh my God! What was the name of Brandon's girlfriend in college that worked on the news show? Um,
1: which one? It was um, Keats. <laughs> Susan, <laughs> Keats. Susan Keats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was his psychic girl or psychic psycho girlfriend in high school that tried to burn down the
1: Emily house? Valentine? That one's easy.
0: <sighs> what are Steve's brothers' names?
1: Ooh um randy because it's really randy spelling. spelling and then i forgot the other guys the, the he's kid thing. so
0: lucky okay tori spelling is not the best actress but Randy's spelling is even worse <laughs> he is so lucky he had a fucking rich father anyway
1: but uh um yeah i i was just i i had fun watching last night's episode
0: Yep, can't wait to watch more. And
1: I'm looking forward. It's only six episodes long. Really? Yeah, they just signed on to do what They, uh,
0: God, your literature. You, uh, you're my literature. Really a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, you
1: know what? When I think I mentioned this last time when, when Luke Perry passed away, my feed became because I googled a lot of stuff or I like read a lot of social media stuff on, on Luke Perry and on 90210. That my feed, my algorithms are all nine hundred two one zero based, and so I get sucked <laughs> into these vortexes all the time. So I am reading, I am like watching old interviews and yeah. seeing all these old things, and so um, yeah, I I found out that I um, that it was Jenny and Tori who both were like, we should do this.
0: They're the ones that pushed.
1: And they, they are, yeah. they're considered as creators of the show, of, of the reboot. And they basically pitched it to Fox or whoever. They pitched it to executives. And they were like, we'll green light it if you can get everybody else on board. And that's what they did. And then they got everybody except Shannon and Luke because Luke was doing Riverdale. Shannon didn't want to do it. Luke passed away and then now Shannon was like, yeah, when Luke passed away, I felt like I had to do it because this was the best way to honor him.
0: Oh, that's sweet. I mean, I I have to say the timing couldn't be better because like I said, it's fucking dark times. Uh not only with our president and that and that bullshit, but these shootings and it just it gets real overwhelming. Yeah. So I I feel like it couldn't be a better time, at least for old ladies like us that actually give a shit about 90210, to be like, oh, something to just take my mind off this shit for 45 minutes or, you know, um, it's appreciated. Yeah. So
1: Wednesday night on Fox, everybody.
0: <laughs> we're not getting paid by them, I swear.
1: <laughs> but that's where I'll, that's where I'll be.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it is quite appropriate that uh, we're Bitch Talk replaying Eighth Grade because... Nine or two and zero is out, and it's bringing us back to those days. So
1: eighth grade, those awkward teenage years.
0: Yep, that uh, I feel like Luke Perry and Jason Priestley—they were the equivalent of uh, now kids that are in eighth grade uh, of these uh, YouTube stars and in- influencers, right? Like that's who they have crushes on now.
1: I guess, which is kind of, well, which is sad, but I mean, yeah, that's the reality. Hmm, they look up to. Real people that aren't doing much.
0: Yeah, don't have... Well, I mean, talent is subjective, I guess. Yes. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Bo Burnham because uh, he, deserves, he deserves the attention in the spotlight right now. He's an incredible, talented director and writer, and uh, we had a lot of fun talking with him. So enjoy the interview. We'll see you on the other side.
2: Welcome to another
0: episode of Bitch Rehab. We haven't done an episode of Bitch Rehab since Robert Pattinson. Since our Pat. Yep, yeah. it's been a long oh, yeah. time. <laughs> That's what we call him now, because we're, yeah. we're friends.
2: Because we're friends. <laughs> like we're
0: friends with... Uh, bo Burn. Burnham. <laughs> a B.
2: Burn, a- I don't know. Bo-ber? bo Burn. That's what we'll call him. <laughs> that, was, that was great. So we both loved this movie.
0: Yes, and uh, for those of you that aren't friends with him, it's Bo Burnham. Yeah. Writer and director of Eighth Grade. A uh, film that's out today, June 7th.
2: Yes, and this is 20th.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, that's okay. thinking of, um, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is out. That's what I have to Oh, do. yeah, June. That's yeah. what I have to do the next You were thinking for... of today's date, is what you were thinking tomorrow? today my is shit, June is 7th. 7th. It's Prince's birthday. Oh, and my nephew. Fuck, I have to call him. Sorry. We should Sorry, leave all Sorry, that this. was <laughs> a rant.
2: That was a rant. <laughs> Happy birthday, Prince and Angie's nephew. Chris.
0: <laughs> right.
2: So, July 20th. What about that? Oh, no, that's when this movie comes <laughs> July 20th is a funny day because that's when 8th grade is released.
0: And we both loved this movie. Uh, I was so excited to do the interview with you because I knew that it was just going to flow so easily with this guy. Because we were both 8th grade girls at one point. Correct. Oh, my God. Contrary to popular belief, we were.
2: Exa- I know, I know. People are like, what? You were young at one point? But, yeah, it's... it's I was thinking... And I hate to say this, but I was thinking, like, I hate kids nowadays. With fucking their millennials. Self. Yeah, right. fucking millennials. They're ruining the planet. Like, kids with their cell phones, and they're always said they should be spanked. That's how I feel when I look at kids. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, she's me. Yeah, I didn't put it on YouTube, you know what I mean? But that right. was me and that awkward, painful, just condition of being in eighth grade.
0: Yeah, and I am thankful to Bo Burnham for um, hopefully alleviating some of that grumpy old lady in me that thinks that, feels that way about kids. And now I'll look at them in a different light.
2: Me too, because we're all, and 20-year-olds. You know, it's like the way we we talk about in the interview that you guys are going to hear in a minute with Bo Burnham is how... You know, eighth graders are doing the whole Snapchat, no filter, just woke up like this. Dude, I know 40-year-olds doing that. (laughs) And I judge the shit out of them. Right. You know, I I look at that, and I'm like, you come on, really? Like, we know you put puppy dog ears on your head so that it would erase the wrinkles out of your face. (laughs) Like, you just look like an ass. But now I get it, because we want people to think we're pretty. And that makes want, me want to yeah. cry. We, we, he
0: he does a great job of connecting that little piece that we all have that just wants to be accepted.
2: Yeah, we want ultimately. people to love us. That's all. That's all anybody wants, right? And, and this girl to me is so lovable. I almost wanted to have a kid. I, I almost wanted I know but not really not <laughs> really I'm not no, too far. No, not literally <laughs> whenever I say that it's in the figurative sense <laughs> but I just wanted you know I mean because I wouldn't want one every day but I do want to go find that girl and hug her mm-hmm. I, I mean I almost want to go to an 8th grade class and
0: just hug all those awkward kids right and, and let them know you'll be fine it's okay it's okay
2: yeah it's you, you might be
0: awkward forever because I we're all still awkward but it's okay right that's that's ultimately what you get from the films. So.
2: exactly I mean I was awkward for forever and then I Self-medicated, did not feel <laughs> awkward, and now I'm sober, <laughs> and it's fine. I'm going through feelings, but it's great. It's it just becomes easy, and life gets good, and and you learn to love people.
0: It gets good and bad and good. Oh yeah, it gets life. It right. gets lifey. So enjoy our interview with Bo Burnham.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. I want to talk about. Um, I felt. Almost exposed when I was watching this movie because <laughs> I looked at the at the trailer and honestly I was like I'm not gonna relate to this I don't understand kids these days with their phones all the time you know and that's how and then when I saw the movie it captured literally everything I felt at that age oh that's and nice it just reminding me that it's still the same pain that we're feeling
3: yeah. where did you find Elsie Fisher um, I had just. I was looking online for uh, actors of that age and stumbled on her and just sort of felt like this feels really right and I'm totally rooting for her and I want to bring her in and I don't know if she can act. It was like some like interview with her um, and then she was brought in. She was just immediately correct. Like the, the movie was like never even alive when other kids read it. It like uh, almost made no sense. Every other kid felt like a confident kid pretending to be shy and she felt like a shy kid pretending to be confident, which is what the hmm. role needs yes. to feel like, yes. you know?
1: Absolutely.
3: Because like when you watch the movie, it, for me, it's like, I don't see Elsie playing Kayla. I see Kayla playing all the people she thinks she needs to be in every moment. Um, so, yeah, it's just sort of a crazy magic trick she does that I don't understand. But, yeah. <laughs> Was <laughs> any of lib? a lot less of it was ad lib than it appears. Yeah,
0: like, the, the it, Gucci
3: yeah, the that that well that was made up. She that that's hers. That that's something she would say <laughs> on set. That was her. Yeah, I'm she kidding. would say it on set all the time and I was like, what does that even mean?
0: So you to so <laughs> it in. Yeah,
3: it, yeah, it's, we filmed that in the last. We filmed the videos the last couple of days and I wanted her to have a sign off. So I was like, oh, of course it should just be the thing she says. So
0: was there a reasoning behind it, or is it just something she said? I mean, she I would say go things I, all the time, so right, I get it, but I just...
3: I'd say, like, how you doing, Elsie? And she'd go, like, Gucci. And then, like... <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that was the part, too, to, like, hopefully get things into the film sort of that was... Uh, that were relevant to the kids that was sort of undigested by me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to have to know everything. Right. You know, I wanted just stuff to be authored by the kids without me processing it. But... The monologues were written like, um yeah, so the thing about being yourself is, uh, wait, uh, I'm reading this off a piece of paper, you know? That
2: was written like Yeah,
3: yeah, it is. I mean it's not it's not like Necessarily done word perfect, but the rhythm was written. Like she's giving a technical performance. It wasn't like, okay, just be you, and then I'll make a movie. You know, she, she
2: should win an award. I yeah. know, I think no so kidding. too. She yeah. was amazing. I mean, I was like biting my nails when I was mm. watching that from it the was, from the opening
0: scene. Yeah, her, the right there with scene. her emotionally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm gonna be taken for a ride right now. <laughs>
3: yeah, oh, that's nice.
0: But I agree with with Dana how you definitely touched upon. I was back to being an awkward 8th grade kid. Mm. But I think what's so magical about this film is you also make it connected to us emotionally right now Mm. in our current internet social media climate. So it's like you're connected to that awkward 8th gradeness but also to the anxiety that comes with living in today's society. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's the hope. I mean, that's how I relate to her. You know, I see myself in... Kayla and Elsie a lot and I don't see for me I don't see my 8th grade self I see my current self you know that's that's how I related to the film mm-hmm. I didn't set out to write a film about kids you know, initially I set out to write a film about how I was feeling at the time which was nervous and anxious and it felt like it had to do with the internet in a, in some sort of way, and it being kids sort of allowed me to talk about those things in just a very pure way because they feel things so purely and they engage in things so honestly, as opposed to when we get adults and we kind of we become a little ironic and cynical and and numb. Yeah, yeah, and it just it, yeah, it all th- those stresses kind of take a backseat to you know family and taxes and all this stuff. But when you're a young person, those stresses really are all you have. So it was able to it was a way to talk about those things as a very pure thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the internet means a lot to her to us it's kind of like a background stress
2: yeah it's like a whole new thing it's like you have to deal with the kids at school and you want to be popular with them we were just talking about this outside and now you have to deal with how many likes you get on like a youtube video or an yeah. instagram post yeah, you're not i safe can't at home. exactly and
3: that's the thing too is that it never leaves you is that like you used to like deal with what you have to deal with at school and then go home but yeah. now you never your social life is in your pocket literally all the time and that's very very stressful
2: it, it's worrisome, actually. Yeah. worries me about these kids and how they're going to be able to adjust in the world. One, the, one of my favorite scenes, even though it was the most painful for me to watch, was the uh, pool scene. Oh. <laughs> because I remember that, although it was 7th grade, not 8th, we had to go to a pool party. And I made up lies. This is how afraid I was of my body and everyone. Is I made up lies about being on antibiotics that I couldn't get in the sun. So I had to sit inside. None of that was true. It's I didn't want to be in a bathing suit in front of people. But then there were girls doing backbends, and there was (laughs) everybody
0: who wasn't me. I was just scared, and I ended up talking to the parents. That you were just like, damn it. Just don't stand next to them. But that's yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's what I love about Kayla is her whole fake it till you make it thing that she does. Yeah, it's yeah, just exactly. beautiful.
3: Which right. is yeah, and I think it's like a great way to do it. You it know, like, really is. Like, a, Put like, yourself out there. Yeah. And pretending to be confident is just as good as being confident. And you know, I do believe though, also like the girl that's doing backbends at the pool is was feeling like Kayla either two years before then or two years after then. Yeah. You know, like I think everyone had the point where they weren't feeling thrilled about their body at a pool party. I certainly oh my was. God, I right? had my hands under my arms because, like, I didn't have armpit hair and I was very self-conscious about that. And yet I'm sure, like, every boy that had armpit hair was very horrible about that. So, you know, yeah, that's the hope of the movie is just to uh, just explore those feelings of, of discomfort and, and to explore the things, explore these things uh, on her terms, you know, to, to treat the things as significantly as they, as they feel to her, you know, singing at a karaoke thing might seem like a stupid little thing, but to no. her it's the bravest thing in the world. So you oh, know, yeah. to treat all those moments as she feels them, which are very big and very intense.
2: The beauty of that moment was when she was singing. There was silence because we didn't need to hear what she was singing. We didn't need to know what she was singing or whether or not she it sang it well. It yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. wasn't important. Yeah. Wasn't important at all that right. she did it. Yeah, yeah. That I still get goosebumps. You yeah. know, I love yeah. that yeah. scene. Oh,
3: so nice. Uh, yeah. That
2: was a beautiful scene okay. yeah, that's
3: my favorite that's sort of the one that means the most to me or the one that at least did what does what like as a microcosm the movie tries to do which is just yeah take a scene that on paper sounds like nothing but to when you actually feel it with her is very I mean right. even the kids in the room don't realize it's a big deal for her you know what I mean yeah so they more. were all
2: nonplussed <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah and that's sort of the uh, it's the same thing with all that it's like when she walks under the pool it's not that a bunch of kids point and laugh at her You know, it doesn't need to be that to to be traumatizing. It doesn't need to...
0: Because really, it's in your head. Exactly. And, And
3: that's sort of the movie, is the... Almost the plot of the movie is just what's happening between her ears,
0: right? And she kind of you're gaining confidence through her as well. Because let's be honest, do you want to be seen in a bikini today? Not I don't. Even today. I mean, not these are today. still things that play guys. Exactly. Us. And also, like, <laughs> and
3: I, I, I defy anybody. Like, even though the opening monologue to the webcam is like stumbly and, and ridiculous, it's like I defy anyone to talk about being yourself and not sound like an idiot. Right. You know yeah. I mean? like, right. Like, even though they're like kind of hallmark corny phrases, being yourself, putting yourself out there, how to be confident. Those are those are questions I still struggle with. I know right. they, they sound like corny little posters or whatever, but, like, she is struggling with very deep, deep questions growing up. Like, th- those are very, uh, even though they sound sort of, I don't know, like Tony Robbins or whatever, I mean, like, they are important, deep questions.
2: They are. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the, um, because you were saying, you know, things that don't look like a big deal on paper, but when you're watching her go through it, you feel it, and it's intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the scene in, in the car yeah. with the boy, it was another yeah. thing. If I read yes. that, I'd be, I wouldn't have thought it was that big of a deal. But I was so uncomfortable, and I wanted mm-hmm. to cry, and I felt for her because I had been there.
0: We've all been there. Just someone a little older that you look up to just trying to take advantage. Yeah, And yeah. Especially in today's climate, how did exactly. yeah? How did you approach that scene? Well, yeah,
3: just trying to approach it very sensitively and communicate with Elsie and Daniel and Elsie's father, and just but that that was the point to try to portray a type of scene that when you know if Kayla describes it six months after the fact, they'll say, "What do you mean he got in the back seat and touched your arm and you said no and he stopped? What's right. the big deal?" You know, but when you actually feel it with her in the moment. You feel the subjective truth of it to her, which is that it is incredibly emotionally violating and violent. And it doesn't need to be literally criminal to be incredibly wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the scene doesn't go where you think it's going to go or where you worried. The scene, a lot of people say, like, oh, I'm so glad it didn't go to where I thought it was going to go. But just because it doesn't go there doesn't mean it's not incredibly traumatic. And you know? she's
0: scarred, yeah. yeah she's scarred yeah. from that moment.
3: And, that, and, and it, that has definitely coincided with what's sort of happening in the current national conversation that there is a subtler conversation to be had about these sort of things and there's a sort of subtler violence that happens and the thing that's really problematic to me that I think is hopefully changing is um, you know when I was in 8th grade and 8th graders now it's like you know they learn how to use birth control they learn nothing about like how to be a boyfriend? How to be a girlfriend? What it actually means to right. be in a relationship? Mm-hmm. You know how to
2: listen to someone? Yeah, yeah, like
3: what? Like I learned how to put on a condom when I was thirteen. I didn't learn like in my first sexual experience what I should ask, what needs to be said out loud. So, and that's what's so I think part of what's so terrifying about the scene is you know that like ev- almost every lot everything he's saying to her is just one new thing after another. She's having so much to process for the first time, mm-hmm. so she has no idea where to. Grasp and and, and I hope. I think the national conversation is starting to change that, so we just start to have these conversations with kids earlier. That it's like it's not just all about anatomy and birth control, sex education should be about power and dynamics, the emotional connection, yeah, and what what the actual what how it's actually going to play out. Which is, there's a lot of things before that to get to that point to get there's a lot of things before before birth control
0: oh my god (laughs) Yeah. yeah boys and
3: girls especially boys need to be educated on um,
0: well, and yeah. that's what uh, I had to keep reminding myself while I was watching the movie. I was like, a man wrote this because you were able to portray it from such a real place, uh, coming from my own experience. Uh, and then I read that you did research looking up eighth grade vloggers. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how you kind of got into the psyche of, of an eighth grade girl and connected it to your own experience.
3: Yeah, and with all of it, it really, it's like, and beyond the vlogs, it's like if you want to know anything about kids these days, they're posting their entire lives online. <laughs> so you don't have to go to a school and interview them. they like, yeah. all these information is there for you. Also, you know, um, yeah, the, the movie affords her a certain amount of privacy. That, that you know, it, it is more about what goes on in her head, and I think I can relate to that. I hope it serves the specific demographic experience of being a young woman, but I also hope it's like, why can't a thirteen-year-old girl be a conduit for the human condition? You know, I mean, why can't mm-hmm. sh- why can't it? Why can't everyone relate to her? Everyone relates to cowboys. I mean, why can't everyone relate to a thirteen-year-old girl? And also, I had my girlfriend is a writer director that you know is the only person that reads my stuff while it's being written. So I sort of had like a voice to you know call BS on mm. if I was like ever like not doing something responsibly or doing something falsely. And beyond just animating a movie, I'm not writing a novel, so I'm collaborating with women the whole time. I mean, like you know my composer, my I mean my editor. The entire post production process is just me and a woman sitting in a room and she's generally is very, you know, ha- had so many of her experiences. Anna Meredith, our composer, ha- is ha- had real connections to Kayla and she sort of gives the entire subconscious of the film. So part of what's registering to you is also actually the, the work of women and not just work of me as well, you know. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a very group effort.
2: You mentioned the composer. That's another thing that I found really interesting about the movie was the sound. Mm. um i'm really big on audio and i yeah. the sound was intense like you know the scene where she kind of has a little breakdown yeah. and she's with her father it's it, like we were saying about the karaoke you don't really need to know what she's saying yeah. because you get how she's feeling but how did you come up with like the sound sequences and the way the music was going to be used it was really powerful oh
3: thanks yeah well i knew i wanted electronic music because it's like a digital story so a lot of indie sort of young adult movies can have like sort of mandolins and it's all very cutesy and it makes yeah. feel very twee and small and i wanted it to feel big i wanted the music to make this experience bigger to sort of sync the audience's heart rate and hers their heart rate is going you know um so i stumbled on anna meredith who's an electronic composer just brilliant she's a classic classical scottish composer that does electronic music on the side and her music is just very theatrical and big and bold and foreground um and it's also just not like the sort of mechanical aggro sort of masculine cold version of electronic music that sort of happens in a lot of places. Um, but yeah, that, that was really just the hope to just make it uh, uh, sound is a really good visceral thing to connect people to. You know, it, Sound can really play with scale really well and make things feel very intense and overwhelming. I think the experience of being a kid is like very sensory. You know what I mean that was mm-hmm. sort of the idea is that like, Sounds are louder and tastes are more vivid. You know, everything is just like big and overwhelming. So that's what we wanted the movie to be: overstimulating, to feel like you. Because she is overstimulated, she is. So we wanted it to be very, very quiet, very, very loud, very, very dark, very bright, very. You know, because that's sort of the world kids live in, and that's sort of the choice between your phone or. The back of your eyelids, you know, which is what the choice kids make in bed every day. Right. Mm. The choice between all the information in the history of the world or oblivion. You know, right. like right. there's like really no middle ground for kids nowadays. It feels.
0: like. Well, Dana brought up her father. the The scenes with her and her father were oh so painful to watch. <laughs> She's trying yeah. so hard. Yeah. I think every parent needs to watch this movie. Maybe they won't learn how to parent better, but at least they can emph- emphasize yeah. it. yeah. feel and be better. like, okay, yeah, it's it's. A teachable moment for the parent.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the hope to even just, like, part of the initial impulse of, like, the structure of the movie was just, like, okay, let's, for the first 20 minutes, it's just, like, Let's just give. You've seen the scene of the girl on her phone at the dinner table, ignoring her parent a million times. You see it like Cheerio commercials. Right. So it's like, <laughs> can we give context to that moment so by the time you show up at the dinner table, you, the audience, even forty year old men, are going, "Dad, shut up." Right. Yeah. Like, exactly.
0: Like, you, They're not these teenage assholes anymore. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, well,
3: you, you get why she wants today. to escape. Like she, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She dealt with a lot. She doesn't need to answer your questions right now. You know. So like that's that's the hope is the dad is like. Is this guy across the table from this? Is the guy in the in, in the doorway you know and then eventually they they, they they get a little closer but um yeah, yeah.
2: And the way she reacts to him is just so (laughs) adorable, because because you're thinking all parents must be, what is wrong with my kid nowadays, you know? But like, we get, like you said, we now know the context, and we're watching Mm -hmm. her and what goes on with her, so when she freaks out and throws a banana, we know what's going on, but the dad is probably like, what? (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, and and that's, you know, and that's sort of his job, is to like, take the bananas that are thrown at him in so many words, it's like sometimes when you're a kid you can kind of only be cruel to the people that you love because it's your safe zone yeah exactly they're the only people you're not scared of mm-hmm. she wishes she could get her frustration out at school but she's too scared so she's getting her frustration on you and you should take it
2: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally the, for me that was my mom but yeah, yeah, yeah my, it was mine too i
3: mean the, i i the dad is a lot of my mom in there
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. And what a great character choice for that actor. He was so good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, even yeah. when he wasn't talking, his faces were just so <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah,
3: great. I'm glad.
0: <laughs> Another one of my favorite scenes was the uh, chicken nugget, awkward yeah. chicken oh, nugget yeah. date. Oh, oh, my God. God. Yeah. It was so, I've never been so happy about an awkward date. Me neither. Or date, can we it? call it yeah. a date?
3: Yeah, well, the thing is, it's like, the truth <laughs> is, I think they're just becoming friends, but even when you're, like, I realize, like, even friendships feel as loaded as dates when you're 13 you know yeah. even just having a friend over I you know I mean no matter what gender it doesn't matter it's just like making a bringing a new person to your into your life when and what you're do you say so that's intense.
0: interesting or yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah exactly. do you want to, to show 100%. them everything
2: about yourself in one second yeah, Like, yeah, this exactly. is me. Yeah, but they're not yeah. gonna ask so how do you do that there's
3: like a seven minute cut deleted scene of him doing a magic show for her that'll hopefully oh. make it into the movie couldn't really support it at the end it was just too long but it'll hopefully make the uh, the iTunes extras or something but it's a really great him showing off his magic for her I love my, oh my God, I love, love that, that kid he
0: is incredible <laughs> <laughs> was the best and yeah. the the sauces I'm a condiment fan so yeah, well, I was like yeah. hey that that works for me I'll yeah. take that date <laughs> yeah yeah he's a good like
3: the movie gets a little is a little more emotional before then and he uh He's he kind of picks you up and dusts you off at the end of the movie and makes sure you had a good time. So,
2: oh my god, that's exactly <laughs> what he did. That's yeah. what, even when he showed up, I was like, oh my god, more of him. I love him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. my favorite. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And he reminded me so much of, of kids that I went to school with and kids that I'm still friends with mm. that were just like nerds. But I remember we would have those awkward times where we would be on the phone and they would just be playing me like their favorite Def Leppard song, the whole song all the way through. And I was like, well, How long okay. are you there? You know?
3: <laughs> but
0: they're so passionate about it. You're like, All right, I'll so hang passionate I'll hang about with you. Yeah. yeah, like this song defines me.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that's a very particularly young boy thing to only be able to navigate the world in your interests because you're very young boys are very uh, not comfortable expressing themselves in conversation so the only thing they can do is be like look at this thing i want or like, look at this thing i like or do you want to see a puzzle i did you know what i mean it's like because they, they have a tough time holding conversation i think she's teaching him at the end you know what i mean like she's what's nice i think it is it feels like oh it's finally someone more nervous than her it's finally someone yes finally someone's looking to her for help and she can an acceptance her. yeah yes. yeah exactly
2: that's exactly, that's what I got from that scene, too, is, like, now it's finally she can relax. And yeah, yeah. else be a little, because he's just a little bit more awkward than her. Yeah, yeah. So now she can relax and do that. Yeah. But it was, yeah, I loved that part. Was any of that last scene um, improv, or was that? Some of that was.
3: That was one of the, like, when they talk about Rick and Morty, which is a television yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen the show, but they love that, so. I
0: knew of it, but was, I didn't, that, yeah. That
3: part is the one, like, improvised. And then there's a few parts in the mall with the high school kids that are improvised, but. But the Rick and Morty thing is is I just kind of let them go for it.
2: <laughs> That's so cute. Did those two become friends?
3: Yeah. I mean, what he auditioned and tested with Elsie, and I had them improvise in the audition. And he was like, you know, you like tacos? And she was like, yeah. And he goes, hard shell, or soft? And I went, you have the part. I said, you have the part. And I said, like, you have the part. You cannot talk to each other, though. I was like, do not.
0: Because I
3: was like, we have to preserve all of this right. weird energy. So I, I, I did not let them exchange information.
0: I love that question. And then they, That's I, an I, important incredible. question. So they, and I will judge you based on your answer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
3: So they, they showed up in the day, and then we filmed. And then, they, they, now they've been staying in touch. But I had to, like, it had to feel like one of the first times they talked there because like you had to have that sort of awkwardness and discomfort which was just amazing
2: yeah Yeah. and I mean the whole pain of her just the Elsie Fisher's face when she's looking through the box that she—what's it called? Time capsule. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I never did that. But it, when she's looking through the box of the stuff that she put in there, and just watching her face, she's just got the most expressive yeah. face.
0: She's incredible. Yeah. Like
2: I would see it that from now on if she's in something, I'll see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, she was just so good.
3: Mm-hmm. She just, I it's felt very deep and they're very deep. You know, because Kids Content kid actors can tend to express very expressively. Yeah, I mean, so theater. because yeah. like, Ugh, you know? And she's able to be very, all of her emotions are very subterranean. Subtle. They're very below the surface, mm-hmm. you know? she And like, sometimes when I look at her, it's like there's five things going on in her face. I like can yeah. see her excited and scared and reacting to the, you know? So she's just like, she's got a, she's got a whole she can sort of maintain that chaos of what it means to be a kid within a scene, which is just incredible.
2: Right. You found the per- like you found the perfect person to get your story across. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel it's like so great. I can't
3: believe we greenlit the movie before we found her. It feels like irresponsible that we were trying to make it. Really, it's like because I don't think there was a second. There was never a second choice, and I met every actor. It was like it was her or nothing.
0: Well, and one of the big themes of the movie is uh, your presence on social media versus who you are once the camera's off, once no one's looking at you. And and you having come from becoming a YouTube star and a stand-up comedian, it seems like this project was really cathartic for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was more like... Yeah, and I hope we can be cathartic for other people in terms of forgiving ourselves. You know what I mean? When a twenty seven year old wakes up and takes a picture of themselves and says, Just woke up, you're like, Ugh. Yes, yeah, right. When a thirteen year old does, you're like, Oh you know, and yeah. like, the truth is, I think we're all coming from that place. If we're all honest with ourselves deep down, and like when I look at my friends, thirty year olds on the internet, I'm like, Why you're acting like eighth graders? Like I think we are yeah. all kind of just scared kids yes. that want love and want acceptance, so that was part of it to uh hopefully forgive myself a little bit for you know <laughs> me, for the way I've been on the internet and, and kind of admit deep down we're all just kind of like desperate little kids that just want to be liked and want to be seen and and that's okay, um, and we should just like you know admit it and speak it out loud and try, stop trying to be so cool and just chill out and have some chicken nuggets.
0: Exactly. With yeah. Yeah. all the sauces with one of each sauce. Soft shell too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, you guys, this really was an awesome it. conversation. Uh, yeah, an incredible film. It. And can we hug it out? Yes. Sure. All right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it. Thanks guys.
2: So that was the Bitch Rehab interview with Bo Burnham. I love
0: him. I do, too. We could have kept talking forever. I do, too.
2: And for those of you listening, I would like to know that he's six foot five. He is so tall and... And you're so
0: tiny. <laughs> <laughs> like When you sit next to him in the picture, I'm like, that's so cute. Well, he is so wise and insightful, and I just loved speaking with him. It was really right. fun. Was he like 27 when years he's old? He's 27. I know.
2: When I was 27 years old, I, I did not. I, there's no way. First of all, I could have made this movie. I don't want to talk I, about what I was yeah, doing. Me, yeah, me neither. <laughs> Why Another bring it there, it. Dana? Really, I know. I'm
0: sorry I brought that up. That made me sad
2: too. Like, <laughs> not a good time to think about.
0: Thanks for listening to our Bitch Talk Replay. Don't forget to head to BitchTalkPodcast.com and follow us on all of our socials and listen to 370-something or another of our past episodes. And thank you so much to Bo Burnham of the film Eighth Grade, which you can rent on Amazon Prime and YouTube. Or you can just hop on a flight and hope they're airing it because uh, that's happened to me multiple times. I hope to see you on Sunday, September 8th, for Bitch Talk Podcast Presents Really Funny Comedians Who Happen to Be Women. And we are powered by Productions. Bitch, please.